mean, we can definitely get started. Um, okay, let's see. We're going to be going live. And we are definitely live. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another uh, Data on Kubernetes community meetup. This is, we are well into the 70s, all right? We've done over 70, 70 meetups since we got started, and all of you are doing a fantastic job of becoming a part of that. Uh, sharing is caring, letting folks know on, on Twitter, on LinkedIn. If you're not subscribed to us already, why not? It's super easy. You got the red button there. Just click it. Um, just a couple of housekeeping things before we get started. Um, one of the things that we always want to let folks know is that we do have our co-located event coming up in KubeCon in October. It'll be 100% virtual. It will also be 100% free. All right. So as as far as we as far as we know right now, the idea is to be as inclusive as possible. We're not going to you know discriminate on, on any sort of basis. We will also be having a DOK Students Day the week before. Um, but for the co-located event we're doing on October 12th, I will leave the CFP that we have in here. Um, perhaps uh, Cyan would be interested as well in giving a talk. If you're interested in giving a, an end user focused talk that, that relates to the topics that we're frequently dealing with, such as working with uh, databases, stateful workloads on Kubernetes, then please take a look at the link that I've left in, in the chat right there. Um, and feel free to send us your ideas. If you're not sure, I'd be happy to work with you on that. You have until September 1st to submit uh, ideas for talks for, like I said, our co-located event in KubeCon, which will be 100% virtual. Now, for today's topic, this is not the first time that we've talked about chaos engineering. And why is that? Because it's super important, right? If we're talking about robust and resilient systems um, that have been battle tested and are really ready to go, you definitely need to get some chaos involved in, your, in, in how you approach and how you approach development, and how you approach working with Kubernetes. So today we're going to be joined by some of the most active people in this particular project, Litmus Chaos, right? For all, for if forever, for whatever reason you haven't heard about Litmus Chaos, but I imagine you have. Um, there's a lot of really, really cool stuff. There are a lot of really cool people. Uh, so shout outs to people that I've interacted with already. Big shout out to Karthik and big shout out to, uh, to Divya Mohan. Um, lots of interesting folks working on this project. Great CNCF project. They've recently come out with version 2.0. So that's why I'm being joined today by Prithvi and by uh, Sayan, who's gonna be uh, sharing more information with us about what makes version 2.0 unique. But before we get to that, can you just tell us a little bit about yourself, Sayan, and how you got into this topic of chaos engineering in the first place? Yeah, sure. So hi everyone, it's it's first of all, it's great to be here. And uh, just like, uh, he mentioned that uh, 2.0 is out and it's really been a long journey since 1.x to 2.0 and we are also going to share about that journey with all of you but yeah how i got started is uh, i typically was looking into uh, one of the kubernetes workflows and how things work and uh, in that process itself i was very intrigued in how to avoid downtimes and that was one of the really important problems that i wanted to fix that because because it's it's really important to avoid that sort of a situation so while i was exploring and i came across this term of i first came across chaos monkey and i was very interested what this is and then uh, while exploring i came across litmus and then that's where my interest began and where my contribution started so that's uh, that's mostly it but um, about me i i actually am working at chaos native as a uh, chaos engineer as well as a software engineer combined and uh, well, as a software engineer turned chaos engineer, you can call it that. But uh, yeah, it's been a great journey because I've been uh, contributing to that Litmus Chaos project and also learning a lot along the way. So yeah, that's that's basically me. And uh, yeah, so Prithvi, if you yeah, like Prithvi, if you'd like to jump in, share us a little bit about your experience because you are. Ex I know few people in the CNCF ecosystem who are as active as you are. 
And I don't really think many who I would say are maybe more active. So anyway, but you are a person who's very, very energetically involved with this project, has a lot invested in it. Um, tell us about how you got started in it. And, and then maybe we can jump in a little bit more and find out about what's new in version 2.0. Sure, sure, absolutely. Thanks, Bart, for that amazing introduction. And thank you, Sian, for introducing uh, Chaos Native Litmus and Chaos Engineering. But I mean, uh, you being a Chaos Engineer. And hi, everyone. This is Prithvi here. I work as a community manager for the Litmus Chaos project at Chaos Native itself. I think we'll move to a detailed introduction. But I got started, I mean, one and a half years ago, we, we started I mean, me and Sian both joined this project as, I mean, we would suggest mere contributors, me as a community manager, Sian as a software engineer. And since then, I think being part of the CNCF ecosystem uh, since one and a half years, there's been a lot to learn. I mean, from each and everyone from, I mean, you itself, Bart, and there are so many folks, Siam, Kunal, Dan, and, and so, so many folks in the CNCF ecosystem itself, those who have taught me so much about community and community management and you know running this project has been a great experience with amazing community members i think chaos engineering is something which is a sought after technology and everyone is looking forward to such projects and litmus chaos has has been vital in that that space i think i'll i'll talk more when we get started but it's it's great to be here Absolutely, and great comments there. And I think this is maybe one of the things that uh, is always interesting to address in our community is the issue of, or the, the topic of, when can I start working with data on Kubernetes? When can I start working with chaos engineering? And, and I think just to make it super clear, whether you're a 20 year veteran or a 20 minute beginner, you have a place in, whether it's in Litmus Chaos or other CNCF projects, you can contribute with a positive attitude you can contribute by reading documentation. You can contribute by attending meetings. Nothing is going to be too beginner. And I think one of the important things that I want to see here is, and that we talked about with Karthik when we had um, on the meetup as well, is like, how can we get chaos engineering to not be siloed, to be something that's shared and understood by the whole organization, the stakeholders that have to be involved in that. But I'm sure we'll get to that once you start your presentation. Um, that being said, so Cyan, if you want to take it away, share your screen, go for it. Sure, I'll I'll perhaps uh, share my. Oh, you'll share yours. Okay, sorry, <laughs> telling the wrong yeah, person the wrong thing. No worries. Yeah, just give me a second. Okay. Uh, is my screen visible? It most certainly is. Yeah. Just give me a sec. Yep. Yeah. So. Let's get started. I mean, that's what you're going to talk about, introduction to Litmus Chaos 2.0, but I think there are a lot of new folks who are joining in. So I think we it will be good to introduce Chaos Engineering again. I think a lot of people might have watched the episode with Karthik, but I think the best part will be introducing Chaos Engineering or talking a little bit about Chaos from scratch and then moving on to Litmus, what Litmus is, 2.0, the journey, and then features of 2.0. So does this I mean, mean does it, are we going to hear about Netflix? No spoilers, but maybe we're going to hear about Netflix. Anyway, sorry, go ahead. <laughs> I mean, yeah, we'll, we'll be talking about Netflix a little bit, of course, but uh, let's just start by introducing ourselves. So, I mean, we, we already talked about us a little bit, but I mean, my name is Prithviraj. We started off at Maya Data at this project. I mean, obviously, as we are in the data of Kubernetes community, it, this project started off to test OpenEBS. I mean, OpenEBS is a 
project based on cloud native data management and another cncf sandbox project elitness was written way back in 2017 2018 early 2018 where it just started to test open ebs as a, i mean we were looking for chaos engineering tools out there in the market and it was none were, were available or maybe they were available but they weren't as good to test open ebs so we started off writing our own tool set and eventually it became a cncf project so obviously that's something one must be glad about but yeah it started off at my data and the project became so successful that eventually it became a company itself chaos native which i'm part of and obviously as you know i'm, I'm the community manager for litmus the litmus project and alongside that doing a lot of community work i mean the cncf ecosystem is amazing so uh i mean working as a co-organizer at chaos carnival we organize chaos engineering meetups every last saturday of the month so folks feel free to join i think i'll be sharing some links while while the talk goes on so i think bart will be glad enough to share those links in the youtube live chat and then obviously kcd bangalore i mean kubernetes community days is happening around the world and i was uh, glad enough to be one of the organizers there i'll allow sayan to introduce himself and then we'll move on with the agenda thanks prithvi so like i already mentioned uh, i am shayan i am a software engineer turned uh, chaos engineer at chaos native and i've been contributing to this litmus project it's been over a year i'd say and uh, i've seen all the ups and downs of the project and the best part about it is uh, since the launch of the 2.0 uh, i've been involved in the creation of this ui as well as a lot of um, intricate details inside of it like uh, creation uh, workflow creation uh, and a lot of um, algorithmic changes so I, i'm really proud that uh, people are really enjoying it so it's been a great journey for me overall to um, to contribute to this project and also uh, like make it a level up for everyone to enjoy so yeah that's about me ஜெண்டாஸ்ட்ரீஸ்ட்ரீஸ்ட்ரீஸ்ட்ரீஸ்ட்ரீஸ்ட்ரீஸ்ட்ரீஸ்ட்ரீஸ்ட்ரீஸ
that go down every day. I mean, with the adoption increasing every day, there are high chances that, you know, something or the other, a node, a pod, anything, anything can go down. Where and what can, can you know, be done to mitigate such outages or what can be done to actually identify the faults or where is this fault happening and there is where that is where resilience comes into play and that is where we need to understand that resilience is nothing but the system's ability to stay afloat stay strong in spite of a fault happening in spite of you know an outage happening resiliency is something which comes into play there so i mean there are some examples that we'll be taking before moving ahead to introduce chaos in a very descriptive way that is what are the examples of resilience and weaknesses in the in the kubernetes space specifically let's say a pod is evicted from a node so let's say if the pod is rescheduled and the dependent service is healthy that's the example of the the system being resilient but if the dependent service slows down or turns unhealthy then that's a weakness right so this is something which happens on a pod level let's say what happens in a node level i mean the node goes to a not ready state and then again the pod is rescheduled dependent service is healthy that is an example of a resilience but in case the dependent service turns out to be unhealthy this is an example of a weakness and similarly i mean a memory leak in a container so these are a few examples that happen on a day to day basis when we you know when we are talking about i mean what are the dependent services and how the system reacts and what might happen in a system on a day to day basis so these are very very naive examples or examples which happen on a day to day basis but as we go deeper as we go into the complexities of a system there are so many you know examples that can be taken of a possible outage happening every day which leads to the concept of chaos which introduced the concept of testing repeatedly so what is chaos that we'll understand later on but let's understand how has it affected real world scenarios i mean i in india i i don't know how many people are watching from india but in india we usually have you know big billion days or amazon great indian festivals or so i mean uh, in, in the west we have the black friday sales so there 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 are so many possibilities of an outage when there's you know required there's a requirement for scaling or there's a spike in the number of users there's a spike in you know the 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 overall usage time or the overall users that are using a particular project and that is where we i mean talk about netflix i mean in india itself there's there's a popular series called sacred games i don't know how many people around the world have watched it but when season 2 of that popular series launched there was you know spike in a different way i mean i don't think so many people have used netflix and unfortunately unfortunately netflix india did go down for a bit so i mean that is where netflix came into i mean in the fray back in 2012 or 13 where they introduced the idea of injecting a fault into a system because downtimes and outages are obviously expensive as you can see a few examples out here i mean apple store lost somewhere around 25 million dollars and then delta airlines i mean the airline sector is actually i mean there are so many i i i would take a few examples delta airlines air asia and then american airlines these these have been starting to focus on how they can prevent their outages or or their downtimes or how they can basically make the system secure in production so this is where the requirement of chaos engineering came into fray that 
we needed a, a testing methodology when when there's a spike in the number of users there's requirement for scalability and you know there are certain issues which bring the system down what what sort of issues can happen when the system goes into production or where the system is live so that brought the idea of chaos and chaos engineering is nothing but the idea or the process of inducing or injecting a fault into your system deliberately and identifying what are the possible weaknesses what are the possible outages what can happen when the system goes down when can the system goes down or basically you know organizing or injecting fault into a system in a controlled way to ensure that the system is resilient when the system goes into production usually i mean i mean usually people say it's breaking things on purpose but adding to it i think it's breaking things on purpose to actually make your systems resilient and i mean avoid unexpected disruptions or faults which might happen or chaos basically avoiding chaotic situations and you test in production repeatedly to basically understand how how your systems behave when when there's a chaos that happens and that is how you you make your systems resilient and i mean we we believe in the chaos first principle and the chaos first principle is why to wait why to go to that situation where the system goes down or you face a downtime rather test now test repeatedly test first and this is a principle which was i mean famously quoted by Adrian Cockcroft he's an amazing guy and he's a famous guy in the chaos engineering space the vp of resilience and technology at aws but he he's been vital in bringing the chaos engineering uh, i mean technology to where it is right now i mean there are so many people who have done that but i think thanks to him to bring in this chaos first principle so moving on again chaos engineering why i mean we'll we'll take the example of a of a kubernetes application or an application where you know there are so many layers where the resilience can be you know compromised in case there's a fault so as you can see this is example of an of a kubernetes application used by so many people so and and kubernetes adoption is is you know has crossed the chasm already i mean it's it is it has reached majority as adoption even chaos engineering in in some form or the other we believe has has reached majority adoption but uh, cloud native chaos or basically the principles of litmus or where litmus came into play it hasn't reached majority yet so it's it's yet to cross the chasm but that is where chaos engineering comes into play why do you need chaos engineering because your application is not made made out of one layer there are so many layers to your application there's your application and then there's mongodb kafka you are using for your databases or any other cloud native application that you are using alongside then there are cloud native services codeens i mean uh, again open ebs as as you mentioned we the, these three layers were initially there where we tried using litmus to test them but then again kubernetes services are then and then your infrastructure platform services so there are so many layers which can be compromised or there can be an outage that can happen in any of this layer so it's it's very important for you to test each and every layer for you to induce a chaos experiment a chaos test in each and every layer in some form as as and when required to understand basically what are your resiliency goals and 
what exactly can be a, a possible outage that can happen in one of these layers and that is why chaos engineering is vital for you and if you if you talk about chaos engineering running who who is the who is someone like who are the stakeholders or who need to use chaos engineering then i mean it's it's not initially we thought it's it's for the sre i mean folks who are sres or in the devops field they they are the ones who are the stakeholders and should be using chaos but since the past i think one year or one and a half years i mean we have noticed that the developer persona as well has been focusing on chaos engineering and using chaos engineering so i mean chaos engineering is for everyone chaos engineering are for most systems so that that's something which makes chaos engineering important not just for enterprises although when we started working on 2.0 the focus was also to understand the enterprise capabilities and how enterprises are using chaos engineering but keeping that in mind we also identified that even the developer persona while developing a small the the tiniest of projects have required chaos tests in some form to make that project resilient so moving on i mean how where does chaos engineering fit in the devops loop it it fits everywhere i mean the feedback loop uh, of the devops uh, uh, basically the devops loop which acts as a feedback loop uh, gets activated through proactive test testing or through you know testing repeatedly in production so i mean the uh, as you as you as i mentioned that you know chaos engineering fits everywhere and you know it's obviously even in the devops loop or in the devops space chaos engineering can use, be used to test anywhere and everywhere i mean you can you test in pre staging production staging or in your developer environment so i mean the, the chaos engineering is not specific to production although we talk about you know activating the devops loop by proactively testing in production or basically chaos the idea of chaos engineering was initially to test in production to secure your systems but today i think everyone is testing and using chaos engineering tests to test on all stages of a software development so test first and don't wait so here are four simple steps which are basically uh how chaos engineering is practiced or basically how chaos engineering is induced but before that i'll just take you through the principles of chaos engineering or the initial principles of chaos to just you know bring that idea i think kartik might have shared this when when he he delivered his talk but th these principles are very vital it's an open source document written in i think most of the languages which talks about what chaos engineering is and what how exactly chaos is practiced or basically what are the you know the steps or principles that act uh when you know idly practicing chaos engineering so initially you need to build a hypothesis around the steady state behavior so first you understand what's the steady state of your system as in how does your system behave when it's in steady state and then you build a hypothesis around it so that you know you can focus on the measurable output of a system and because usually the focus is on the attributes or the internal attributes of the system but what is important is to focus and how how does your system behave in, in in a steady state and then you vary real world events what are the real world events that are possible what are the potential impacts or what are the impacts that can happen when there's a failure or when there, there's a server that dies when there's a malfunction or a non failure event 
like as i mentioned a spike in traffic so so you need to vary those real events and then you you run experiments in production as i said chaos engineering started with talking about testing in production so i mean system behave every system behaves differently and that is that is where you need to understand how the system will react when such varied real world events or experiments happen and in 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 production because that's that's the eventual goal so and and lastly you need to automate your experiments obviously because the world has shifted towards automation and people cannot run one by one one experiment and then another experiment so think i mean experimentation needs to be automated chaos engineering needs to be an automated process and that is one of the principles of litmus as well where the focus is is on automating chaos and lastly obviously you need to minimize your blast radius i mean uh, ex- experimenting in production has its own i mean flaws or that is where a cultural change or cultural shift is required right uh, i don't know people who are watching right now might know or might have seen in their enterprises as well that there's uh, i mean people are still scared or reluctant to use chaos engineering or practice chaos testing in in their companies so i think i mean that's why this principle comes into play where i mean to to avoid short term negative impacts or to avoid any sort of negative impacts you got to be responsible and then you need to focus on the cultural shift so that is where minimizing the blast radius is important so as you can see this is how these four steps four simple steps come into play that is identify the steady state hypothesize experiment and then you adapt according to your cultural changes and minimize your blast radius so from that sort of a workflow we created a workflow which typically talks about how chaos engineering is run you identify your steady state conditions introduce a fault something like a fault delete what's cpu hog node cpu hog memory loss or any sort of a chaos experiment we'll move to that when we talk about the chaos hub and then are the steady state conditions regained if yes the system is resilient but is the system resilient completely no right there are so many possible faults that can happen so you inject a new fault and you continue this testing process but let's say a weakness is found then you fix that you fix that weakness and then you again continue testing so you fix it and then you again this this loop goes on altogether so this is how chaos engineering is practiced in production this is the workflow of it and in case you have any questions feel free to put them in chat we'll be answering them later on so moving on how is chaos engineering practiced typically i mean as of now as i mentioned only the sre persona has been focusing on practicing chaos engineering but it's it's still moving on to the developers developers haven't engaged in chaos engineering that much but th- this practice of how it's done typically needs to change that is something which is very vital so it's usually practiced in game days where uh, a certain application or app- application specific to the company is taken and that is where a chaos is induced uh, the the few experiments that are specific to the application or specific to the company are induced and a game day is organized to basically note down the results monitor observe what exactly is happening when when such sort of chaos experiments are induced in the system 
and then i mean it's really integrated it to the ci cd as i mentioned i mean it's part of the devops loop so ci cd chaos engineering is also pretty vital or important when we we talk about chaos engineering or when we talk about uh, chaos engineering moving to ci cd i think it's pretty important and that is where also observability comes into play i mean it's it's not a commodity rather it's it's pretty important you need to see where chaos engineering exactly is happening or where is your system going down where is the chaos being induced what time the chaos runs and when does the system go back to your normal state or the steady state so i think this is how it's done typically but this practice needs to change more and more people need to adopt test your systems at all stages and observability and i think one more uh, term we'll talk, come back to later on that is gitops these things need to be brought into chaos engineering because that is what defines the next principles or not just the principles of chaos engineering but the principles of chaos engineering in a cloud native way you need to do it in a cloud native way and that is what or those are the principles on what litmus was built on so moving on i mean as as we have talked about litmus so much litmus what exactly the litmus is it's a cncf project it's 100% open source and it's it moved into sandbox last year june and hopefully moves into incubation sometime by the end of this year or hopefully soon it's an open source cross cloud chaos engineering framework which uh, allows you to induce chaos tests according to your need according to your requirements its its initial mission was to help kubernetes sre and developers to find weaknesses but now the the idea is to even uh, induce chaos in non kubernetes platforms and run i mean chaos on different sort of platforms aws azure gcp vmware bare metal etc etc so that is what litmus is and it's i mean it has uh, that these are some stats that i'll talk about i mean it has 50 plus chaos experiments plus it provides you with an sdk where you can write your own chaos experiments bring your own chaos i mean bring your own chaos is is something which rarely any other chaos engineering project Uh, provides i mean we can move on to differences if it comes as a question but these are a few stats and i mean before moving ahead i think i'll i'll take you to to the chaos hub and all all the various uh, resources of litmus how how you can get started what's this chaos engineering project about and all that we talked about the history already but let's just take a look at the the other stuff so i mean this is the journey of litmus before moving ahead we'll just talk about the journey it i mean initially it was just a tool to test another tool but then it was made open source and then you know there were individual experiments individuals started inducing chaos in into their systems and it was made a cncf project became part of the cncf there was a chaos hub that was created it is a marketplace which which allows you to basically pull your own experiments uh, pull the experiments that are out there or uh, you know upload your own experiments just write your own experiments or go ansible or python and and then you can put them on the marketplace or you can you know have chaos subs in two ways i think sign will cover that and then obviously scheduling and all that was obviously something which was part of 1.x and it was already uh, you know part of the 1.x features but with 2.0 i think a lot of new features came into play before i i talk about 2.0 or introduce 2.0 to you let's just take a look at the chaos hub 
so so as you can see kiosk hub this is a marketplace i mean uh, you you can see uh, give me a sec yeah so these are the experiments that are out here already experiments based on gen i mean generic kubernetes kiosk they are already out there you can pull uh, you can install by you know using the helm chart or you can use the yaml file to install the litmus operator and inject chaos so generic chaos experiments uh, include these kubernetes based chaos engine experiments as you know it started with kubernetes there's a pod delete pod cp hog and and so so many more experiments but there are chaos engine experiments for gcp azure aws ssm and then kubernetes aws vmware core dns kafka open ebs cassandra so this is the marketplace from where you can pull your chaos or you you can obviously write your own experiments and as you can see you can contribute your own experiments and these are the revamped docs this i think this docs help uh, the, these docs help you to gain access to a lot of things you can explore litmus there are tutorials out there advantages advanced user guides and and so many things the the, the links will be shared while the talk goes on and if if you want to use the check out the version 1 docs then you can redirect yourself to v1/docs.litmus.litmuschaos.io and you can find the docs for 1.x as well a version that is being used by a lot of users right now so moving on to 2.0 i mean i'll just introduce the features but i think sian will be talking about it i mean it already possesses all the features of 1.x but then it also allows you to create custom workflows workflows are nothing but introducing inducing multiple chaos experiments together and there's a user and team management as we talked about keeping in mind the enterprises and i mean it was necessary for multiple folks to run chaos experiments together or teaming was a very important uh, functionality which helped various teams come together and run chaos there's an introduction to a chaos center which was a central management center or the ui where you can manage all your workflows your you can monitor your experiments you can analyze and you can do so much more and then monitoring and observability obviously prometheus metrics were used to monitor them on grafana but then we created an internal dashboard which is on the, uh, available on the chaos center itself where you can monitor and observe what is exactly happening and then you you calculate your resilience score if your systems are resilient or not how did your probes work and how the, the health checks and the native custom checks were carried out and what's the resiliency score of your application and then you manage your workflow uh, workflows and scale them with gitops and the custom image registry so with this i think the last thing we'll be talking about are advantages i mean there there are so many advantages we have not jotted it down because when it comes to comparison then obviously litmus as a tool the other tool sets are there are great but litmus as a tool set has been adopted by the community loved by the community and is community collaborated with monthly meetups happening so the end users have been vital in coming out and putting out these uh, i mean functionalities and features and enhancements and that is where chaos engineering has become much simpler much faster and much easier for for the users to use so with this i think uh, we can take up some questions and move ahead with sign talking about the architecture and and obviously the journey ahead the features and um, the obviously overall demo but yeah we can we can take some questions me and sign can answer them and then we can move ahead
Okay. From a, you know, technical perspective, you mentioned, you know, how this is frequently, you know, focused on SRE teams and, and things of that nature. But I think, like you said, conceptually, a lot of the ideas here, although they might have some technical side to it, a lot of it, like you said, is kind of building on the DevOps principles. What do you think are generally the biggest challenges that folks have when they start introducing uh, chaos engineering into their teams? I mean, see, there are a lot of challenges, to be honest. The first and foremost is the cultural challenge, as I talked about. People haven't shifted to chaos testing yet. I mean, QA testing, black box testing, and I mean, penetration testing, all these forms of testing have been there. But when it talk when we talk about the overall cultural scope then that is the the major challenge which comes into chaos engineering and then secondly obviously teams are not aware of what chaos engineering is a lot of people lack of skill is another challenge which is faced by a lot of people i mean if you yeah. go out there 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 are so many people who want to run chaos but there are so less number of chaos engineers out there i mean people are looking for chaos engineers every other day in the job section we are, we are wanting chaos engineers so the, the skill set and the understanding is is still not there there's a lack of understanding and how uh, chaos engineering can be introduced people are scared that what if the systems go down how will the systems cope up to such sort of chaos testing and the infrastructure is not available that is one part of it and then secondly obviously chaos engineering has developed a lot over the years i mean we talk about netflix and how netflix started off with chaos monkey and there were monoliths back then which were tested using you know such uh, chaos engineering tools but then you know where while we move on to the cloud native paradigm or the microservices architecture paradigm that is where uh, inducing chaos has has become more vital because systems are getting more complex and obviously such sort of uh, testing is vital so i think i mean inculcating this knowledge and then obviously uh, making a systems ready for it is are two vital things two vital challenges or maybe a couple of more challenges i would talk about is that the monitoring is not in place people don't have you know certain sort of uh, functionalities which run hand in hand with chaos i mean there are so many uh, enterprises that are still trying to adopt the sre principles or manage their slas slos and slis so so all these things need to be sorted or people believe that if they aren't sorted, then chaos engineering can't be practiced. So I think once, if, if the plan comes into place, then obviously adopting chaos engineering becomes easier. Very, very good. Awesome. Let's crack on with uh, Sayan then, shall we? Sure, sure. But thanks a lot. If yep. there are any questions, then we can take them up as, as we go on and I'll, I'll be sharing links while, while Sayan moves ahead with the talk so I'll, I'll, I'll stop i'll stop sharing my screen thank you thanks Prithvi. so i would share my screen i hope it's visible uh can you see yep. those yeah oh, all right okay so um we covered uh, most of the advantages that uh, litmus tool offers and what chaos engineering is uh, it's, it's open source what litmus is hub and the general availability of uh, everything that's out there as of now, but uh, I'm going to talk about uh, the architectural overview. I'll obviously keep it simplified, and also uh, what are the features that Tudato offers, and also how you can get into Tudato, and how you can also start running your workflows in less than about five minutes with uh, this new form of chaos uh, workflow creation or construction. So um, to start off with, uh, we are going to look at this particular architectural diagram, which 
is if you take a look at it, it starts with the SRE and it ends with the chaos execution plane. So um, the chaos execution plane is, let's consider this as uh, our target application or what we want to do uh, or the final thing. And the start, which is the SRE developers or QA is basically the persona that we are targeting. So in this, in this case, let's say you uh, as a user are targeting or you want to do or you want to run a chaos workflow, which is the blue box, which is just next to it which is called create a chaos workflow. You, so in this case, your application is WordPress. You want to do a pod network latency chaos experiment on your uh, WordPress application or whatever your application is. And uh, you want to do this on your SQL, MySQL database. So you have your WordPress application. You want to do a network latency chaos uh, injection in your database connection. So You want to see what happens when uh, certain data, uh, there's a network latency when you move data from your application to uh, where you store some data, um, store some data in the MySQL database and there's a network latency. So that is the entire workflow that you want to uh, create with the help of Litmus. Uh, now, this entire flow would be uh, smashed up and considered uh, the construction would happen in the Litmus Center, which is also called as Chaos Center. And this Chaos Center is a part of this entire gigantic block called Chaos Control Plane. So what is in the control plane? We have the authentication server, the GraphQL server, and the MongoDB, where we actually store all the events that happens uh, while we do the uh, chaos injection and everything. And there's also two external things, which is analytics and GitOps, which we'll uh, come to later. So this entire block is the chaos control plane from where we control the chaos construction and injection. Now, once we do the chaos injection, this is the uh, other side of the architecture, which is the chaos execution plane, where our chaos injection finishes or triggers and then finishes. So the chaos agent is actually the one, the component, uh, which handles the injection of chaos in your target application. So once you construct this pod uh, network latency uh, workflow, you the chaos agent would be the one where you are injecting this uh, uh, workflow on. So let's say your application, this WordPress application is sitting on a certain cluster. With the help of chaos agent, you would be targeting that particular cluster and that uh, particular application sitting on your cluster with the help of chaos agent. And then we'll have these uh, other sub-dependent components like uh, Argo workflow controller, the event tracker and then Prometheus for monitoring and all those infra uh, components that are sitting there. And with the help of chaos agent, we'll be triggering all, all of them and the chaos will be injected. So this seems a little complicated, but uh, we'll move forward and we'll actually show you how this is done. And it'll be pretty simple once we get to know this. So once the uh, injection is done, we, we can see something called as a chaos workflow CR. So that is actually what uh, we see where, when we get to the visualization of the workflow. And there are two important CRs, which are the chaos experiment and engine. Experiment is what holds the boilerplate uh, properties of the experiment. So in this case, uh, boilerplate properties of network loss for network loss experiment. And chaos engine is the CR, which actually does the tunables uh, where we can tune that particular experiment to our needs. So let's say by tuning, I mean, we can change the amount of uh, latency, we can change uh, which target application we want to choose and those kind of things. So we can do all sort of tuning with the help of this uh, engine CR. And chaos operator is another CR that is like the heart of Litmus, where, uh, which actually helps uh, validate a lot of properties going around the policies and also if the target application is present in a cluster or not, whether what you are trying to do is valid or not. So all these kind of things are uh, handled by the backend infra, which is the entire uh, CR section that you just showed.
that I showed you. And uh, with the help of this entire uh, architecture, we can target Kubernetes uh, applications, bare metal applications, even non-Kubernetes uh, applications like uh, GCP, AWS, Azure, and even uh, VMs like VMware. So moving forward, this is what we'll, uh, I'll be showing you. And based on the time that we have left, uh, we can add one more uh, workflow on top of this. But yeah, so generally starting with, uh, we have two major core components with the uh, release of 2.0, which is the chaos center and the chaos agent. Now, what is chaos center? It's basically one single source of truth where when you try to do chaos work, uh, when you try to construct any chaos workflow, uh, monitor your workflow, look about different uh, ways of observability, uh, try to achieve multi-tenancy, anything you want, a chaos center is the way to go because it's the single source of truth or the major management center that you can call it that. So from the chaos center, we'll be constructing workflows, we'll be uh, injecting uh, chaos on different applications, and we can also visualize and see the injection happening in real time with the help of chaos center. Now, what is chaos agent? Agent, on the other hand, is basically the target application or the target cluster where we want chaos to be injected. So let's say we have a lot of applications sitting on a certain cluster, let's say cluster B, and uh, our chaos center is sitting on cluster A then we uh, chaos agent can be installed on cluster B and the cluster B would be uh, like uh, called as a chaos agent in this case, because we will be targeting applications sitting on cluster B. So that is the general concept of it. Now we can connect multiple external clusters as well to our chaos center. And by that, I mean, uh, my chaos center can be sitting on GCP or uh, EKS or EKS or anything. And uh, my chaos agent can be sitting on any other cluster running on any other vendor. So in this case today, the demo I'm going to do is uh, my current cluster is sitting on Minikube. If I if I want it, I can have my uh, target cluster sitting on Azure or uh, AWS or any other uh, vendor, and I could choose applications that are running there to induce chaos on. So that's the general idea about this. If I just uh, go to the chaos center to give you a better idea. So this is what the chaos center looks like. So we have uh, this general dashboard area where we have a uh, chaos agent, which is a sub um, characteristics. If you take a look at the architecture diagram, chaos uh, agent is a sub component of the entire uh, flow. So we have this entire box chaos control plane where chaos center is sitting and then chaos agent is a sub component of the chaos execution plane. So we have the chaos agent sitting right here. And in the chaos agent, we have a self agent, which is basically wherever you install Litmus 2.0 on, that cluster gets automatically picked up as the target cluster where you want to induce chaos on. So in this case, since I have this running on Minikube, which is this uh, Minikube uh, setup that I have, my uh, self-agent in this case is also Minikube. So whatever um, chaos injection I do today in this demo would be run against Minikube. But just like I mentioned, it can be AWS, uh, Azure, or anything, any other vendor that I, uh, I choose. So to connect any other external vendors, we can of course click on connect the agent and we'll have a binary called Litmus CTL, which you can download and uh, use to connect any external agents. And then we can have multiple agents sitting right here. We also did a test recently where we connected over uh, thousand plus agents in a single kiosk center. So it is pretty seamless and uh, pretty scalable. So you can uh, definitely go about it. So we, you can have multiple agents connected right here and you can choose which agent you want the chaos to be on when we schedule this particular uh, workflow. So uh, that's that. Now, if I come over to the features that are there, let me uh, take you through them one by one. So starting off with the chaos center, what exactly can you achieve with chaos center? So you can create uh, chaos workflows with the help of chaos center. Now, what I mean by that is 
you can chain multiple chaos experiments. And uh, in this case, I just give you an example of pod network latency. So you can, let's say, chain pod, uh, pod delete, uh, pod network latency, or a poor DNS pod delete, or any sort of experiments that you want. And you can jam them up together to form a single chaos workflow. So when you inject that workflow, all the chaos experiments associated with that workflow would be run against your target application. So you can do all this uh, via the help of the UI, which earlier you had to do via uh, the litmus 1.x uh, litmus operator and you had to do this one-on-one -on -one individual experiments at a time so with the creation of 2.0 we can do this entirely on the on the ui and uh, we have the option to chain multiple experiments and we can also uh, sequence them either in parallel wow. or uh, sequential so we can wow. bring up the order of the experiments as we want and we uh, will also see this uh, when we do the demo so there's a multiple. Uh, there's also an option to do this in multiple ways. Uh, let's say it, it's there to create a workflow from templates. And what are templates? Basically, let's say you have a specific uh, workflow in mind which uh, is not present currently. So you can create uh, at the first time. You would basically create that, and you can save it as a template so you can use it again and again uh, in any future uh, recurrences. So uh, and custom workflows, obviously, like I mentioned, uh, where I where I just talked about pod delete, pod network loss, and pod DNS. These are like custom experiments that custom workflows that I want to create uh, by selecting individual experiments. So I can do this via by selecting the custom workflow option. And uh, this is obviously using Chaos Hub. So we can pick experiments from the Chaos Hub, or we can also connect our own hub and we can um, take experiments uh, from our own uh, library. And also we have pre-created YAML, so we have three or four of them, and you can definitely try and use them. Uh, in this demo, I'll be using one of them. And the good thing about it is uh, the application is also installed when you uh, use this pre-created YAMLs. So by that, uh, what I mean is, let's say I want to do a pod delete. Uh, the application which I want to do the pod delete on would also be installed, uh, and then pod delete will happen on the application. So I don't need to have a pre-defined setup ready uh, in order to do that. So that's pretty cool. Secondly, we can, thirdly, we can control uh, experiment editing. This is what I mentioned at the first point as well. So we can uh, sequence, we can control the sequence of this experiment. So it can be uh, purely sequential. We can have two experiments running parallelly or so, and that uh, depends on how we want the experiments to run. And we can have single and recurring, uh, recurring workflow creations as well. So we can, by, what, what we mean by this is we can have prompt workflows as well. So you can create cron jobs with the help of the GUI itself. And if you have your chaos center running, the cron would be continuously running and uh, in, in the particular schedule that you've created. And also we have control over the experiment priority. So let's say you have two or three workflows and one of them is not that important to you. So we have the options to attach weights with the uh, individual experiments. So if you give a low weightage to a certain experiment, then that experiment would be given low priority. Uh, over the ones that uh, you have given a higher priority, higher weightage, which means higher priority. So what it, the advantage of this is, if you give something a lower weightage, then your resilience score at the end of the workflow, at the end of the chaos injection, would not be affected that much because it was not that priority. So that's the uh, feature set in the chaos center. Now, if we come to workflow management, and we have also uh, management of this workflows using GitOps, and we have an entire section dedicated to GitOps. So I'll be coming back to this again. But yeah, this is basically rolling out a lot of automatic changes using GitOps. I'll be talking about this soon. And there's also custom image additions, which means you can use your own private image from your own private servers, obviously. And uh, this is just in case you want to do something advanced and you do not 
uh, find that requirement in, our, in the images that we provide already. So you can create your own images and add them in the, in the workflow. Also, you can measure and analyze the resilience score. Uh, so once you set the weightages and everything, then we actually calculate the resilience score for your workflow. And there's an analytics section which you can use to analyze and see what the resilience score is. Why was it that way? Uh, did anything affect my workflow? And there's also a concept of probe which helps here. And probe is basically pluggable checks that you can induce in your workflow. What I mean by that is, uh, let's say you have a certain workflow and you want to add a certain check uh, in your workflow, let's say if my HTTP endpoint is uh, healthy or not, uh, I want to trigger or I want to just do a get request or a post request in my HTTPS endpoint and I want to see if post chaos is available or not. So you can do that via uh, an HTTP probe. You can also write shell scripts using CMD probe. You can also do uh, PromQL uh, queries using prompt probe. And there's also Kubernetes, uh, you can do, you can also use gate as probe. So there's a lot of options when it comes to probes. Uh, when it comes to enhancing your workflows with the help of probes, so definitely that's something to check out. Now, uh, multi-tenancy with the with the release of 2.0, this is something also which came into the picture, which actually allows you to um, do teaming in and user management pretty seamlessly. So you can create users from your sitting on your clusters. So let's say you have a chaos center that is sitting on your particular clusters. You can create a, a team of multiple users and you can give them access to your particular project uh, in, which is connected to your cluster. So they do not have to even uh, open a certain cluster to get access to your project. They can be sitting on some other uh, computer or some other uh, environment and they can control workflows and run workflows and control the scheduling or cron jobs sitting uh, separately and not even touching your cluster. So that is something that is uh, also included in the 2.0 uh, release. And also authentication is uh, provided, which means you would have security. And also there's an onboarding process, which is smooth and you can skip it basically. Uh, if you do not want that to be a burden uh, first time you log in. But yeah, there's authentication involved. And also uh, you have role-based access control on each of the users that you create. So when you create teams, when you invite people to your project, you can choose whether they want to have uh, owner access or a um, viewer access or an editor access. So basically, if you give someone a viewer access, they won't be able to schedule workflows or um, even do any kind of admin uh, related stuff, like you know, create a new user or something like that. They'll be only able to view what you're doing and also view the visualizations and uh, download reports and those things, and they won't be able to affect anything that you do as an admin. And also supports, it support clusters and namespace code. So with the uh, the installation, you have both Helm, install, Helm installation as well as namespace scope installation. And namespace installation, which comes in cluster scope as well as namespace scope. So uh, when you install this in a cluster scope, you obviously get access to any any and all namespaces you create in that particular cluster. So uh, basically, Litmus would have access to the entire cluster. But namespace in the namespace scope, you would have uh, access to a certain namespace in your entire cluster. So that is where it's helpful if you are uh, working in a shared cluster or if you have just access to one particular namespace in your entire cluster you can definitely go forward with installing Litmus in that namespace and also uh, installing applications in that namespace or even uh, targeting applications running on any other namespace if you have the correct permissions so that's that and also uh, monitoring and observability comes into the picture which is you can connect a data source 
uh, you can visualize the different runs that uh, are created as a part of this, uh, let's say, schedule or a single schedule or a cross schedule. You can compare different workflows. At the minimum, it's two, obviously. You can compare two or more workflows, and you can also download the report that is generated uh, from the comparison. So you can even share that uh, with your team and uh, product manager and anything. You can upload your own dashboards, uh, which is Grafana dashboards, if you do not uh, like the interleaved one. Uh, you have your own dashboards that you have created, you can definitely upload them. Or there's also a dashboards uh, available by the community, so you can definitely download it and upload the same. You can tune dashboards to your preference, which is you can change queries, you can change the Prometheus endpoints, or uh, however you have set up your monitoring, you can seamlessly integrate that. And uh, definitely you can monitor chaos in real time, so it gives you uh, the option to see chaos uh, observability in real time with the help of uh, monitoring. So this is the section that I was talking about when I talked about GitOps. So what GitOps offers you in terms of chaos engineering is basically it would integrate seamlessly with uh, any Git-based SCM, any source control management. So uh, if you have a Git-based SCM, then uh, that would act as a single source of truth provided you have uh, enabled GitOps. What I mean by that is we, since I told you in the architecture diagram that we use Mongo, so the Mongo dependency would completely switch off and we'd be using Git as a DB. Uh, from then onward, if you uh, switch GitOps on. And what will happen is you will be managing all your workflows and events from Git itself as a single source of truth. Now, uh, since it's a bi-directional flow, that would mean that if you change anything on Git, uh, let's say you ran a workflow and you changed anything on Git, that would automatically trigger uh, a rerun of that particular workflow. And that is done by an event trigger CR that we use. So it's a bi-directional flow. So anything, anything and everything you do when you have GitOps on either in the chaos center or either on Git would be uh, synchronized. So, and also this uh, tracks events and triggers chaos, which is the uh, event tracker that I just talked about. So provided your uh, chaos workflow is subscribed upon that particular microservice, event tracker microservice, uh, then GitOps would actually synchronize what events are happening between both the two sources. And uh, last but not the least, non-Kubernetes chaos. So with the new release, we have an option to do chaos on non-Kubernetes entities as well. So you can target bare metals and you can also target infra resources that are running on let's say AWS, GCPS or NPMware. So basically you can do this by creating secrets and uh, the, uh, the chaos center would uh, take the secret as uh, like take the IAM policies and rules that you have stored as a secret and then it will be able to target uh, the resources that are running on AWS EC or any other uh, provider. So uh, that's all the features in a gist. Uh, I hope I didn't uh, overdo it, but okay. So uh, for 2.0 in a, in a tabular form in a gist, what we have is uh, previously we had singular experiments. Now we have chaos workflows in total where you can, uh, you know, clutter up multiple experiments. It was per user previously. Now we have teams on multi-tenancy. It was per cluster in OneRx. Now we have an organization where it's uh, pretty much cross-cloud since uh, we have the chaos agent concept now. Uh, we only had public chaos up previously. Now we have public as well as both private chaos up. So if you're uh, using a private chart in a private repository, then definitely you can connect it by SSH or access key. And also previously it was CI only. Now it's CLI, uh, CLI only. It was, now it's CLI as well as GUI. And uh, we also have extra like, external capabilities like GitOps, um, scalability, hybridability, integrated and interleaved monitoring with uh, 2.0. So with that, 
it's finally demo time and uh, I wanted to show all these capabilities in action. So um, what I meant by uh, private Chaos Hub is also something like this, which I have a demo chart, which is like my own private chart. And the public one is uh, sitting right here. If I go to Chaos Hub, this is my public hub, which has all the different uh, Chaos, Chaos charts. I'll see all the different experiments that are there on hub.litmuschaos.io, which uh, we can share with you. And that is like a single most repository where all our experiments are hosted. And this is also embedded or built in when you first install the Chaos Center. So you'll get all these experiments predefined when you uh, install this Chaos Center. And we have these uh, three as the predefined workflows, which are already there for you. Now I can also connect this external um, repository, which is a private repository, as you can see, uh, with the help of uh, this option. If I go to connect a new hub, I have the option to connect either a public or private hub. Obviously, public is pretty straightforward. You just provide the URL along with the branch name, and that should be connected. But for private hubs, you can either provide the access token, GitHub access token, or the SSH key, which if you click on this, will be generated for you. And you need to provide the Git URL uh, and the branch. So this would be the SSH URL and the branch if you choose SSH provided. So that is a way to connect uh, private hubs to your report to your uh, chaos center. And also, if I come over to settings, I have the option of GitOps uh, adding a custom image registry, which I just talked about. You can use the custom values right here. Uh, you can enable GitOps from this section. Currently, it's locally in Litmus, which means we are using Mongo. Uh, we have an option to do user management. So as, as an admin, I can create new users and I can uh, invite those uh, new users that I created in my team. So I currently do not have any. And this is my account. So uh, that's that. Now let's just go ahead with the creation of a workflow. So what we are going to do in this creation of workflow is basically we'll be doing uh, a pod delete on a, on a sample microservice application, which is called Potato Head. Now Potato Head is basically a CMCF microservice sample application, which gives you all these different kind of uh, microservices like the left arm, the right arm, the hat, the legs, the left leg, right leg. And these all these uh, individual parts are like microservices. And uh, we will be doing port delete on these microservice applications. And we'll be seeing them live in action. So to start with, we have to select which chaos agent we want to target. And in this case, since I only have Minikube, so I'll be just given one option. If I had multiple, I can choose. Uh, so I'll be selecting the self agent, which is Minikube. Now here is the different ways of creating the workflows, constructing. We have an option to do this from predefined, which is the one we are going to do. Now we have an option to do this via template. Currently, I do not have any. And this is the option where you can choose which hub you want to choose. So this is the public one that I have already um, built in. And if I had connected this demo chart, the private one, I could have also seen this here and I can use my private experiments. And I can also import a certain YAML from uh, my local setup if I had a YAML with all the configuration. So I'll be choosing the public, uh, the predefined experiments, and I'll be selecting this potato head experiment. So a good thing about this is when I select this experiment, it will be installed in my system, which I will show you. And also it will start injecting the kiosk on this particular application. So if I click on next, this is like a um, area where I'll be able to see the name of the work, the description, which namespace it is uh, going to install in and also target the application on. So uh, once I do this, I would be able to see a rough visualization of what exactly my experiment is going to look like once it is uh, executed, once it is injected. So I have a potato, potato main portlate chaos experiment. And uh, this is the sample uh, visualization. So it will first install the application. Application is uh, the potato head application. 
then it will install the chaos experiment, which is the pod delete experiment. Then it will inject the pod delete chaos uh, experiment, which would mean it will delete pods. And then uh, post that is done, it will revert all the chaos uh, that happened. So it will gracefully clean all the resources that were created in your cluster as a part of the chaos. And it will uh, post that it will also delete your uh, application. So these are like parallel steps that will happen in parallel, obviously. So it will so revert the chaos and simultaneously also delete the potato head application that was created as a step one. So that is the uh, way we are going to do it. Now, if I go to just edit YAML, there's just one minor thing that I would change here, which is the type name. I would call it weak. Now, if I just go over the YAML, uh, the, these are like uh, chunks that uh, are really easy to understand. So what it does is basically, it's trying to tell that we have a template with these steps. So it will install the application, install the experiment, run the pod delete experiment uh, and run reward chaos and delete application parallel. The same thing that you saw in the GUI is the same thing uh, in the in the form of a YAML. Now we have the chaos uh, engine uh, of the pod delete where we do all the tunables like I mentioned before. So we will tune which uh, app label it will target, we'll tune uh, what is the app info, like the namespace of the particular application that it's running, uh, where the potato head is running, and then certain specs where we also have a probe, which is the HTTP probe, which is checking the health of our local uh, potato, where, wherever it's hosted, when once it's uh, installed. And uh, we have some ends, which is like the, how, what is the total chaos duration, the interval, and uh, those things. So that's that's about it. Uh, we'll just save this, just change it from resilient to weak, since we're not want uh, to go on for very long and that section is for weeds and now we just need, we can choose whether we want to schedule now or create a cron job i'll just go for schedule now and this is the summary section where you can see uh, what exactly uh, we chose what uh, what what is the weight of the experiment uh, if my code is having any validation issue or not any syntax issue we'll be able to see this here uh, which chaos agent we chose uh, to target in this particular uh, workflow and everything so let me go ahead and finish the same so once I finish, the chaos injection would start happening and you can see potato. I'll be able to see which exact step is going on currently. So right now I can see the main application is initializing and I also have this uh, running on, like I have a watch statement on my terminal right now. So you can see uh, exactly which parts are there in my particular uh, namespace, litmus namespace. So since I installed litmus on the litmus namespace, I have all this default uh, dependencies of CRs that Litmus needs to run, which is the Mongo, the server, the front end, event tracker, and everything that you saw on the architecture diagram. And this is the new one. So creative head, this is the workflow, which is currently in creation state. So once this is created, we'll be seeing a lot of microservices pop up, which are these microservices. We had the left arm, the right arm, the left leg, right, right leg, and so many more. Now, once this uh, is installed, this happens, this is successfully done. Currently what it's doing is actually checking if the application is either there on the litmus namespace or not. If not, then let's create it. If the target cluster is healthy or not. So it does all these pre-checks with the help of the chaos operator CR that I just talked about. So it's literally the heart of the uh, experiment of, of the entire workflow. And it does a lot of things behind the hood. So now you can see that this check passed. So it will go ahead and create a lot. Like you can see creating a lot of stuff. So we have potato hat. It's creating one hat, and then you can see it's a hat's new. It's the left arm, left leg, right arm, right leg. Then this is the main one, which we'll be targeting to terminate in this particular experiment uh, workflow that we just selected. So these are the different uh, 
containers that have been created right now as a part of the install application. Now, if I do a, if I get a CC in my litmus namespace, I should be able to also access this, which is this one, potato main, the node port. So if I copy over the port and I just let me paste it and uh, I would copy over my node IP in this case and just access this, I can see that potato head is being currently created. As you can see, the arms are not yet done. And if I refresh this, maybe, yeah, one of the arm is done. If I refresh this, uh, all the arms are done. So that is how uh, the application is getting installed as a part of this step. Now you can see uh, the application is done installing. So we can see that this is up and running. And if I just go to this term, then you will see all, this, all the things are in running state because everything has been completed. So now what it's doing is, it's uh, installing the uh, pod delete experiment. Now, once pod delete experiment is installed, it'll actually trigger the pod delete, which where, when we can see, which after which we can see that uh, the potato main uh, pod is being terminated. And once it terminates, it'll restart back again because uh, it'll try to restart back again. But since we have chosen a weak workflow, it would prevent to do so. Uh, so that uh, will fail but that's the gist of it. So when you do a chaos workflow, this is what happens and it tries to terminate and whatever the result of the termination, whatever the result of the workflow is, you'll be able to see, uh, you can see the pod, uh, this is being created. All right, so whatever the result of uh, each of this uh, nodes are, you can see if you click on this, you'll be able to see the logs at the bottom. So this will give you a clear idea as what exactly is happening. And for each individual experiments, like for uh, pod network loss or pod delete or all these, you'll be getting chaos results. As you can see, there's an option for chaos results, which would not be available until the uh, execution is finished because you'll only get the verdict after it's done. So you can see the live logs of this while this is happening. And when uh, this uh, pod delete is executed, you will see the potato uh, main uh, pod is being terminated. So right now it's running for uh, how much? About two minutes, 46 seconds. You will soon see that uh, this pod would be terminated and then it will try to recreate this in, in this entire uh, uh, application. And once this entire workflow finishes, all these uh, resources that were created as a part of the execution of the chaos execution would be cleaned up, would be gracefully cleaned up as a, since we had revert, a revert chaos option in our manifest. And uh, so that is one way of cleaning all your resources if you do not want them to retain back. So that is uh, mostly it about how you would use the 2.0 to create workflows. And this is a pretty straightforward process because you just go into the workflow section, you choose which agent you want to, yeah, you can see this is terminating, all right. You can choose which agent to target for execution for workflow, chaos workflow execution. And then you just select whatever workflow you want to do. You can create custom, you can import camels, and then you just uh, schedule it now or create a front job. And that's it. So that's as easy as it gets. And uh, yeah, so once this finishes, if you just come back here, you would see that uh, you would get an overall resilience score, which is also something that uh, is a part of 2.0. And if you click on analytics, you can see what is the score, what exactly affected the score, and those sort of things. So yeah, that's, that's uh, mostly it about how you uh, inject chaos with the help of uh, litmus 2.0. Also, we have all this uh, mentioned in the docs. If you go to 2.0 docs and go to getting started, run your first workflow, we have these entire steps mentioned in here. So you can see uh, this is the same potato head workflow that I just ran. 
So you can go through this entirely and feel free to just schedule one and check for yourself what exactly is happening. And you do not need to install anything because it will install it automatically for you. So with that, I'll just share one last thing, which is the roadmap for the future of uh, Litmus. So what we want to do as a future is we want to increase the support of chaos against the non-Kubernetes infrastructure that we currently have. So we have uh, uh, targeted AWS GCP Azure, but uh, we want to increase the number of experiments uh, that we provide for those non-Kubernetes entities. And we want to do, uh, we want to uh, target more application-specific chaos experiments. Currently we have Kafka, Cassandra, but we want to target more and more application-specific experiments. Uh, we also want to improve the chaos SDK for creation of uh, user-defined experiments and make the process, uh, the entire flow pretty smooth. Uh, we want to also add more and more probe types so that you can do custom steady state hypothesis, uh, steady state hypothesis validation. So currently we have four HTTP gators, uh, CMD and uh, from, but we want to add more to that so you can have more flexibility. We want to improve observability, of course, uh, and uh, we want to have more and more chaos types as we go forward. So. That is one thing that we are really looking forward to with uh, Litmus. And yeah, so this one finished. And you can see the lead application is in progress. And okay, so everything, a lot of that that was created the left arm, right arm, everything is fun. And now if I try a refresh, it would be not reachable because it deleted it automatically. So that's how you do this with the help of the portal. And yeah, that's uh, that's about it for me. I would like to share it back to Pitri and he can take you forward with the contribution, how you can join the team. Very, very good, let's sure. do it. Sure, sir. And I think this is the last segment of the talk. So we'll just be talking about contributing to Litmus. I think a lot of people want to contribute and contributing is, is something vital. So I mean, picking up good first issues is very vital. Checking the contributing doc, I think this is the last link I'll be sharing. But once once you check the contributing doc, I think uh, other than that, with Litmus or with uh, Chaos Engineering, contributing is a bit little bit different. Usually people take a uh, look at the code and so many things. But to contribute to Litmus, I think understanding what Chaos Engineering is and what Litmus is important. Checking the YAML files, if you want to contribute an experiment, then taking a look at the YAML files helps. And then obviously there are so many sub-dependencies and, and the repos that are out there. Chaos charts, workflows, testing tools, Litmus Go. I mean, Litmus is written in Go. so. If you have some knowledge of Go, Kubernetes, Docker, containers, I think that will that will be enough. But other than that, there are so many places that you can contribute to. You can contribute to the README. You can contribute to features, bug fixes, docs. I mean, documentation, we just built a new documentation completely. So obviously, contributing to the docs is, is vital. And then obviously, you can contribute to the website as well on the front end front, the chaos center and the website are a couple of things where front end contributions come into play. And other than that, on the back end as well, there are, are so many things you can contribute to, especially to the chaos hub with chaos experiments. As, as you know, the litmus SDK helps you write your own chaos experiments and contributing that to the hub will be great. I mean, the, the links have been shared. And here, here you can find the code. I mean, GitHub is the place and the main repo. You can find the readme and the major code and, and on, on 2.0 as well. The docs, the latest docs are amazing, I think. I mean, that's a personal opinion, but I hope you like them too. Feel free to 
put out your opinion you can check the version one docs which which talk about litmus when it back when it was in 1.x and lastly inviting everyone to join us on slack slack is is the community where we all are present there on the kubernetes slack just join the kubernetes slack and at slack.kts.io and then you can either use slack.litmuschaos.io or join the hashtag litmus channel so that's it folks if there are any other questions then i think bart can put them forward to us or you can ask them and then um since this. we're a little bit since we're a little yeah. bit over time what i would like to do is to move this conversation into to slack but i think mm -hmm. that, that everything that you put out there is really really good is to to see how you can get involved a little bit more from that too when you check out the the chaos um limitless chaos website how you can get involved, but also who you'll be involved with. There are some super, super cool people that are working on this project so that I know personally. Um, so I can definitely recommend in that sense too. One thing is the technical part. The other thing is the amazing people you'll get to work with. Um, so can't recommend that enough. I think we got a lot of information here about, uh, first of all, a great introduction to what is chaos you know, engineering in general, because you can never go too far back on that then seeing how all this has been built out with version one, then taking on the feedback and realizing the, the, the room for improvement and things that can be added. Uh, very exciting to see what's happening in version two. And I think what's ultimately super clear here is that chaos engineering is here to stay and it's only going to be growing. I think some of, some of you may have seen, you know, that there were uh, predictions about which, uh, which technologies were going to be big in, in 2000, in 2021. And chaos engineering was one of them. All right, Cheryl Hung from the uh, the CNCF put that out there, and very much said that it, that there's only going to be more adoption of this. So it's a great time to be learning about it. Um, thank you both very much for sharing all the things that you share with us today. Great links as well too for folks that want to follow up on that. Um, and then, like I said, I think we can definitely continue the conversation in Slack because there are a few things we didn't get to, but for reasons of time more than anything else, um, I think it's good to wrap it up now. And then, like I said, we can continue the conversation later on in Slack. Absolutely, absolutely. Thanks a lot, Bart, for hosting this amazing session and we look forward to the conversation on Slack. Thanks everyone. Absolutely. Thank you very much. Have a good one. Take care. Bye-bye. Thank you. Bye-bye. Cheers.